Welcome to the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast, where we help business founders and sales leaders understand and overcome the challenges of building high-performing sales teams. What's up, Josh? Hey, how's it going, Taylor? Going great, man. It's going great. I'm excited to talk about how prospect data drives success. So prospect, right? Uh, people can call it different things. We can call them leads. We can call them candidates, prospects, almost customers, what have you. But in general, how that data that we see drives our success. So first off, Josh, I know this is really, really wheelhouse for you. What is prospect data? Why does it matter? So at Founderscale, we follow ABM, account-based marketing practices, which means that instead of going out and just marketing and putting ads in front of large groups and you know, narrowing it down by whatever filters they have, we actually pick who we want to go after. So for example, we work with B2B founder-led companies. So we know that across three industries that we work in, that there's roughly 13,000 of those in the metro Atlanta area. So prospect data would be going out and building a list of those 13,000 plus Mm. founders and then figuring out how to get in front of them. So that's our approach and that is the prospect data. So that is our list of prospects and um, that data and the cleanliness and uh, everything that we get from it um, changes how we can get in front of them and who we want to get in front of. Okay. So can I ask a couple questions here? Of course. that what you just mentioned when you were able to do some research find 13,000 in the metro atlanta area in that example can you give our listeners an idea maybe of of what that looked like how did you find that how did you or did you have to purchase it uh, is it proprietary information is it part of a license based um you know membership program um if if people are wondering i understand i know i need to use the data but how do I start to get the data? Can, can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah, so we do this on behalf of our clients for a few reasons, but at the high level, you can get data from all different places. You can go have somebody uh, do web scraping and get the data like on Fiverr, Upwork, all these different outsourcing mm. sites. You can go to vendors that have the data and purchase large lists where they're basically going to ask you how many you want, what the criteria are, and they're going to dump an Excel on you. Um, You can even go to like Zoom Info and Hoover's and buy subscriptions to databases that have this. Uh, So there's lots of ways to get the data, but that is really only the first layer of what you need to Mm. run successful outbound campaigns. Right. So, so, so I, I agree with your, your statement. So this is kind of the, the, the practice of, of casting the net and yeah. you've got a lot of fish that come in the boat, but obviously maybe not all of them are, are great. So, so at that point, okay. So now we have our, now we have our net. Now we have our 13,000 in your example. Now let's take it a step further. Um, and, and, and to dive into what you said, you said, then we can, you know, really focus into not who they are, but who we want to go after. So you've got 13,000, you're obviously starting to niche down. So talk to me about the process of niching down those prospects to where it's going to make sense for you guys to put some effort into. 
Yeah. So the first level of niching down is, as I said, we work with B2B founders. So we need to know if it's a B2B business. Well, when you go out to some of these data lists, some of them have the option to tell you that they're B2B and some of them don't, you know, Mm. and and in a lot of cases you get what you pay for. Uh, But in this case, we're going to niche down and we're going to say, okay, of those 13,000, how many are B2B businesses? Uh, and, And that may require us going out to another vendor to augment the data even more or it may come from one of the vendors that we already have. So we're Mm -hmm. niching down on B2B. Um, Another one is if we want to get really targeted, uh, we are a HubSpot uh, partner. So we deliver a lot of our, when we do webinars for lead generations for our lead generation for our clients, uh, if they already have HubSpot, that's like the perfect fit. We can deliver on other platforms, no problem and work with their team, but it's easier to deliver on something uh, that we already have great experience with and can mm. tell them how to leverage and get more ROI from what they already have. So the next question is, well, are they a HubSpot user or are they a Pardot user? What, what are they Got using? Um, so we may say that we just need somebody that has a marketing automation system. So there's mm. ways to get that. So little, a little known trick, um, if you're on like LinkedIn Premium or Sales Navigator, there's actually a technologies filter where you can go in and say, give me everybody that uses Salesforce. Say, give me everybody that uses Pardot or HubSpot, whatever it is. So you can niche down from there as well. So what that allows us to do is it allows us to really get creative around one, not spending time on all the businesses that are B2C that are out there, Mm, all the ones that don't have any technology in place, which is going to be definitely more problematic if they have nothing, um, and and narrow that focus. So that 13,000 could quickly and easily become 5,000. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So, so you're able to, you know, like you mentioned some great tools out there and obviously, you know, in your specific business, we can filter down on B2B if they've got some technology stack, ideally the perfect technology stack with some HubSpot and, you know, some platforms that really will speak the same languages together. Um, I mean, what basically you've nailed down what it is quite well. So, You've gone over why it matters, um, and and when and when I think of why it matters, I, I immediately go to the. If you didn't have this, how much how much wasted time would you be spending? For instance, Josh on B two C, which isn't even really a a a, a, a compliant market for you uh, in terms of what you're trying to do. So, why does this matter so much to have prospect data? Yeah. So as a sales leader, uh, there's a lot of problems that come into play. Uh, if you aren't filtering that for your reps, then they are spending time filtering mm-hmm. it, right? Every rep that I Good hand a, a list to, uh, if, if 25 or even 50% are B2C, they are wasting their time combing through the bad data, the bad prospects, the ones mm. that aren't a fit because they're B2C. And instead of something we could have done on the front end to make them more effective. So from a leadership perspective, you're really just passing the buck down to your salespeople. And then they're spending, again, massive amounts of time on things that they shouldn't. Exactly. Um, another reason would be, and a, and a kind of a real world reason is a lot of this data that you purchase is is mediocre at best, right? So mm. let's say 50% of it's good. Um, every year, you know, month after month, people are leaving roles. So there's other ways that we can actually do email validation. We can do job validation. We can validate that list. We can even have a list where everybody on there is B2B 
and then find out that the door's closed on the business, right? And that's another way sure. that that sales rep could be spending time or that that email is a bad email. Exactly. Or there's ways to test for whether an email is good or bad before right. ever actually even sending. So hmm. anything we don't do is time taken away from that sales rep going out and selling and closing deals and, and doing and their job effectively. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's a great, great call. So yeah, for your sales managers out there, what can you do ahead of time to curate that data, that prospect data, so that when you actually do hand it into your business development teams or your, you know, your outbound reach folks, how they can work the most effectively possible. It's like in my mind, I mean, not, I don't know if everybody remembers the Rolodex like Josh and I do, <laughs> but imagine the most beautiful, most concise Rolodex out there and you can just go through, start flipping and, and, and smiling and dialing. So, so I think that's good. You know, one of the things that, that I'm hearing out that, that what I'm hearing you say is that there are some that are good. There are some that are bad naturally, but how important do you think it is let's say that you get, you know, thousands of, of company names and, and what have you, how important do you think it is to have your own system of curating that data versus outsourcing it completely to someone that that's got just something that you can buy off the shelf? Like I can tell you in, in my business, there is, there is very specific ways that we niche down on our ideal customer profile, regardless of how they came in. They have to go through lots of different qualifiers in order to be a, a, a perfect prospect. So for us, to your point, that gives our, that, that gives our business development teams and our, and our you know, outbound guys a, a lot of you know, ways to work smart and, and, and efficient. But I do think that a lot of organizations out there, and they basically go buy what's off the shelf from these different vendors and they might fill out a couple, well, if it checks these boxes, send me a list. How important is it to also build a system internally that you can curate and control on your own? Yeah, it's immensely important for many of the reasons you just said. I mean, one is, as I highlighted, you can buy a list, but then it has to go through multiple levels of pruning and validation to make sure that it's even legitimate. And yeah. so you have to be have a way to manage that. On top of that, then you have these other ancillary items that you talk, or not even ancillary, maybe maybe primary items that you have to really go through to make sure that they're a good fit. And you, you have to have your own system to mark those, prune those, and then also to keep track of the bad data. Because what happens and what we see is a lot of people um, prune that data and get rid of it, but the way that they get rid of it is by deleting it. And so bad data ends up back in the system. Mm -hmm. so you don't know that that oh, is geez, a bounced email point. that's been set two, three times and it's hurting your <laughs> right. de deliverability rate. So yeah. there's other processes where, you know, instead of just deleting it, maybe it goes to a certain place where it's checked against first. And those yeah. are all different tactics and, and pieces of the puzzle that a third party system isn't going to do out of the box. You know, if they're providing data, they're just, they're providing that data. You have to deal with the rest. Makes a lot of sense. And to your point, I mean, I've seen that so many times where the data doesn't end up in the right place if it's bad or incorrect and people just continue to recycle it to try to use it and feed it back. And yeah, that, that is a nightmare. Uh, so do it right the first time. Make sure that if it's bad, you're, you're archiving it to the bad folder. Uh, so, you know, I've heard a lot of people and, and I know that everybody out there, just like myself, get, that get, gets cold called every day about these lists that you can get, these generate. Now, look, I, I do think it's valuable. Don't get me wrong. But why do, why do you think people out there have, have such a bad, you know, uh, I don't know, perception of this. You know, a lot of people think they can get it cheap. 
Um, have you seen it backfire? Uh, talk to me a little bit about, you know, j- just the reality or, around the investment that's needed in this. Yeah. So a lot of people, you can get it inexpensively. You can get cheap, right? So there's different ways to get this. But um, the, the reason that that backfires is there's not enough layers of validation before you spend all the time. So let me give you a real world example. Mm. Uh, We had a client that purchased a large list and they're doing outbound prospecting. Let's say that the list was, it was significantly larger than this, but let's say it's 10,000, right? So they purchased 10,000 names of target clients and they have a BDR doing outbound. Well, if 35% of that list is bad emails, then 35% of that BDR's time is now wasted. So if that's a if that's a forty thousand dollar BDR, you're talking about a major loss of time and money. Wow, you know, absolutely. So, so you're saving money on this list, but you're not <laughs> doing anything extra with it. But you just lost you know thirty five percent of whatever forty thousand yeah. dollars is. You know over or you know it's not going to take a year to send ten thousand, but you get the gist. Sure. Thirty five percent of their time is wasted, so that you could save money on a list, which you know by pruning it, we're only talking about hundreds of dollars, not thousands. Um, so that's one way that we see going cheap and not really having a plan on this backfire is at some point you're wasting somebody else's time. That's a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, the other way we see, especially in the, in the one-to-one sales email space where a sales rep is using this to do outbound is you're also hurting, you're massively impacting and hurting deliverability rates. So there's lots of things that the mail service providers look at where if your bounce rates are really high, if your open rates are really low, your deliverability goes down. And the more that you do that, the more likely you end up in the spam box. So there's all ah, kinds of impacts to having bad data. And yeah, there just, really I mean, is. That's just two of them. Yeah. Yeah, right. Now, it's funny you mentioned that because I don't think, well, I, I guess let me speak for myself. When I think of uh, when I think of the the data and, and working effectively, for me that means how smart our salespeople are working with what's in front of them and what's available to them. And where my mind doesn't necessarily go, or what are the effects of bad data as it relates to what goes on, what goes on in the cyberspace? You know, how often does that affect, you know, ratings? And, and, and I don't know as much as you know about the marketing and the acronyms and whatnot, but it does really sound like it has an effect on what potentially might come your way via the internet, via these search engines and whatnot. If you're not you know, if the quality of the data isn't good up front. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, so yeah. lots of impacts to that. I mean, like on the, the email deliverability, I mean, if you're uh, sending, if your deliverability goes down, then not only does your prospecting consistently get worse, um, but that affects the other emails that are come out from your mm-hmm. domain, right? So a sales rep could send something, uh, um, somebody could send something for a webinar or ha- be having a legitimate email thread with somebody and it could end up in spam because of that. So lots of ways that inexpensive and cheap data and lack of a plan can can backfire. Very, very interesting. Okay. So obviously the investment there is is immensely important. Um, and, you know, uh, curating it yourself, maintaining levels of control of it are, are super important. So let's say that in theory now, um, we've got this this great pile of data and now we are you know, we feel really comfortable on 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 what it is. Um, without going into too much detail, um, talk to me about you know what to do with it. What, what what's the next step when when you have it, and really how does that translate into driving success? 
Yeah, so we like to then segment the data. Um, so once it gets segmented, what do I mean by segmenting is slicing it up by industry, title, uh, geography, whatever it might be. The reason we do that is because if we're doing any sort of outbound prospecting campaign, we pick a segment of people that we're going after and that we're targeting. Uh, and the messaging relates to them. The more the messaging relates to them, the better the result we're going to get. So for example, if I say, you know, we're also a local Atlanta company and uh, we've delivered, you know, deals for X, Y, and Z companies that are all technology companies that are well known in Atlanta. And this prospect is a technology company and founder in Atlanta, then it's going to speak to them a lot more. And we've seen that when you do that, when you personalize and can do that, your, your response rates are going to go up. So there's lots of different techniques in the, in the subject matter and in the body of that email. The same thing is going to happen for any other campaign. So, you know, we're big fans of podcasts and webinars and we host mm -hmm. these for clients to, to drive leads. Well, if I'm going to do a webinar and I want to get people to attend that webinar, the more that webinar speaks to them, the better. So a lot of people say, well, I want this huge webinar and I want hundreds of people. If you can pull that off, great. Um, there are some broad topics where you can pull in a lot of people into your webinar, depending on the size of your company and your lists and the marketing that you have. Um, but the opposite side for the businesses we work with, where it's smaller B2B founder-led businesses, are, we say we want to niche down. So take that same webinar content, but make it for an industry that you know really well and tailor it so that when you do that outbound and that outreach email to try and get them to the webinar, it really truly speaks Got to it. them and the engagement rates go up. Got it. Got it. Okay. So yeah, a lot of work on the front end. Um, and, you know, we've talked about this a lot of different times, but, you know, people will call it niching down. We'll call it the minimal viable audience and whatnot. And like you said, it's one, one idea to have a thousand, I want a thousand people to come <laughs> to my, my webinar because I want to be exposed to everybody in the world. But I don't know how many times you've clicked on some webinars and then clicked out a handful of seconds later, uh, but I have. And yeah. it's because what I thought it was, it did not end up being. So, yeah, being able to relate. Um, obviously I think it is, is huge. What, what are, um, what am I trying to say here? What are the different types? Um, you know, I've heard of, for instance, intent data, but I don't know much about it. So, uh, maybe you could lean into that a little bit and, you know, give us some different, you know, ways to use it. Sure. So uh, what we've been talking about is prospect data. So really taking that ABM account-based marketing approach, building a list of who you want to go after and then targeting them. Intent data is a little different in that there are actually services out there that monitor the, uh, essentially monitor search engines and the internet for all these indicators and triggers where when they actually search for a certain term, they can get sent to you. So if you search for marketing hmm. automation software, uh, and we want to go capture that because we're a HubSpot partner. What we can do is we can actually sign up for these intent data services and we will get notified that somebody searched for that. And if you're paying for one of those services, you'll not only get notified, but you'll get their information. So they'll give you email, phone number, name, company, and it just depends on the level of, of or the tier of the service that you're on. So I know it's a little bit scary for many people, but yes, when you search for something, that can end up uh, being funneled right to somebody that knows. You know, if you've searched for something yeah. and all of a sudden you've got a call within the next three days for that from a prospect, you know, or from somebody doing prospecting or an yeah. ad, 
that's yeah. exactly what's happening. And they feed all of these different systems. So that's intent data. It understands that somebody's searching. So if I had somebody searching for, um, you know, lead generation or B2B lead gen in the metro Atlanta area, we would automatically get notified if we had one of these services. Mm. Um, so that's one, like we use one of them we know of is Bombora. Uh, and you can actually go sign up for Bombora surge alerts for free and really see kind of a little bit about how that works. But the paid mm. tier gets you gets you names and other uh, more detail. Um, another one that we like is called Lead Feeder. They have a free one as well where they take actually your Google Analytics and they'll tell you what companies have visited your site. So, you know, in the case of us, if you're working with a really large enterprise company, it's going to be a little harder to figure out who came to the site. Mm-hmm. But if we see that a local, you know, founder-led B2B company visited our site and it gets tracked back, feed leader says, hey, this company visited, I know uh, within a margin of error who I need to go email, call, or, or prospect to. And hopefully they're already in our database from the prospect data anyway. So I'm catching them right when they're searching, right when they're visiting, or any other action that yeah. they're taking. Yeah. So a little fun fact, boys and girls, that's why when you search something and it shows up two seconds later on your Instagram, that's because of the intent data that the Instagrams <laughs> exactly. are using. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit more comforting knowing that it's that besides the government with the big magnifying glass on our houses or any, something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that, we already that, have that, that too. We call it yeah, Google good Maps. Point. <laughs> good point. I don't even know what I was, what I was thinking. Um, so, you know, one thing that I want to uh, leave everybody with here, um, there's, there's obviously different different stages in, in your organization. So from a startup to someone who's like getting into it and then someone who's a veteran, Josh, what, what advice do you have? Um, but let's use a startup for an example. What, I mean, do you have any advice for folks out there in terms of giving them some idea on, on when it may be in time to invest in something like, you know, the intent data or Bombora, as you talked about, they obviously, it sounds like they're going to need some sort of resources to actually react on that data and whatnot. So give some advice for, for, folks in terms of when that might be more applicable? Yeah. So I think uh, price and the size of the sales organization are going to dictate that. But with something, with something like intent data, it's very timely, meaning that you have to have somebody trained to use this data and be able to act on it when it comes in, because that mm-hmm. is essentially that person's almost a hot lead in that, or a hot prospect in this case, in that they are actually actively searching for solutions for this now. So they're expecting, you know, a solution or a call or some sort of follow-up. Um, so really, is your organization at a maturity level, or does it have a person that, when they got this alert, they could immediately follow up? And not only immediately follow up, but consistently do that, right? Yeah, Just like right. all other software. I mean, I've seen people buy it. And it sits on the shelf for a long period of time mm-hmm. because they decide to take another direction of a few months later, but they're locked into a, a year-long contract. So there's different tiers of this. You know, you can the prospect data and doing a lot with that. Um, there's very low-cost ways to get going on that before you buy software or subscriptions. Intent data like Lead Feeder, Bombora, Surge have free free editions. Mm-hmm. They're helpful in different ways, but again, you have to really have somebody that's able to act on that. Exactly, and not buried every day with other work. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that might be um, outside of the education that you've given us today. That might be a takeaway for for everybody out there. It's obviously, and and I, and I hope Josh has made it abundantly clear. It's extremely important, but there is really something to mention here, guys and girls. If you're going to go out and you're going to invest in this, don't get me wrong. It's extremely important, but don't buy it just to buy it. You have to be able to act on it. You have to be able to have a system or a process or a group or a machine, an automation machine or whatever your thing is. You've got to be able to react on that if you're going to pay it. So I know that goes without saying that sounds like something pretty obvious, but I've heard a lot of companies going out and spending 40 grand a year with someone like Discover Org just to have it in case they wanted to call around instead of being intentional with what you're going to do with those curated lists when those come over um, or active reactive research uh, when it comes to, to outbound. So I thought that was really good. So, you know, we talked about today how to prospect, uh, I'm sorry, how prospect data drive success. I think Josh gave a great explanation of what it is and why it matters. The importance of buying it well, you might be able to get it cheap, but it might backfire on you. Uh, having some sort of control, maintaining some sort of control over the curation process, the importance of having your own ways of curating the data and niching down your data. Uh, because really, if we're being honest, most likely everything that you're going to find isn't going to be perfect right off the shelf. And then a lesson for me today, which was really good, is learning more about intent data. Uh, I had actually never heard that term before. And uh, that was really, uh, that, that was nice. So, Josh, really appreciate you, uh, you educating me, obviously, and um, enjoy talking with you today. Yeah, it's great to get together again. All right, we'll catch you next week. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening platform.